Now, we'll read out of the Amplified here in a moment. And the King James says, Behold, or look, I give unto you power, authority, to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. And then he says, Nothing, nada, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Hallelujah. Nothing. That word nothing means nothing in no way at any time, anyhow, or any place. Nothing can hurt you. Say that with me. Nothing can hurt me because I have authority. Now, can anyone tell me what that authority is? Well, whose name is that authority in? Let's say his name about three times real strong. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's authority in your name. Nothing can hurt us in your name. Hallelujah. Some of the greatest things I've learned from people that are now with the Lord is the authority of the believer. The authority that you have as a believer. Oftentimes we think about the authority that so-and-so has and the authority that pastor so-and-so may have or apostle so-and-so or prophet so-and-so. But every believer, every believer has been given authority. That means you're authorized in the name of Jesus to stop the devil dead in his tracks. You know, if he gave you power to trample or to tread on serpents and scorpions, that means that you're walking on top of them. Amen? That means that things that the enemy brings are literally under our feet. So I don't think we ought to reverence him in any way, fashion, or form. The psalmist said, yes, though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not afraid. I will fear no evil. He had his will involved here. He said, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. And in the New Testament, not only is he with us, Not only is He for us, but thank God He's in us. I will fear no evil. That word fear there means reverence. I will not reverence evil. The only one that we're supposed to reverence is Jesus. 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 Reverencing Him. Hallelujah. And because you've been put into right standing with Him... That gives you the privilege to stand in the presence of a holy God just like sin never existed before. Now, if you can stand in the presence of God as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, just as sin never existed before, you surely can stand here on earth with authority in the name of Jesus in the presence of your enemies and put Him on the run every time. Hallelujah! You know what God's looking for? He's just looking for submitted saints. Submit. Submit to Him. What do you mean submit? Submit means just come under Him. Come under His wing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of El Shaddai. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. And so submitting to Him is just submitting to His will for your life. Submitting to His word. Amen. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Don't submit yourself to the devil. Don't submit yourself to the ways of the world. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Then, he says, resist the devil, and the devil will 
What will he do? He'll flee from you. He won't hang around. He won't hang around submitted Christians. He won't hang around sold out Christians. He won't hang around men and women that know their authority, that are sold out to Jesus. He will have to flee. He will have to run from you as in terror. Amen. You just terrorize the devil with the presence of God. <laughs> Amen. I can remember um, Lester Summerall. Some of you know who Lester is. How many of you know who Lester is? Lester's been with the Lord for a number of years. He impacted so many people's lives. Just such a, he was a general in the Lord's army. And, uh, you know, he went over to, to the Philippines when he had nothing. He went over to China when he had nothing. And God just consistently and continually met his needs everywhere he went. He'd step off a ship or a boat and get into a country and he'd be in line, didn't have a penny, and someone would walk up to him and give him money so he could get in. You know, some nations, they won't let you in unless you have a certain amount of money. I wonder if they should do that here. Well, never mind. Just a thought. It's not doctrine. It's just a thought. Pretty good one, though. But um, he got he got a lady that was in the Philippine prison over there in Manila that was really just bitten up by demonic forces. I mean, literally. She was bitten by demons. And they didn't know what to do with her. They couldn't figure out what to do with her. So they brought this gospel preacher in there. And this gospel preacher who knew his authority demanded that devil to leave that woman. And that demonic force left her once and for all. And they gave Lester the key to the city. Because of a man or a woman who knows his authority will be given. Hallelujah. Great favor. But he said one night he was, he was in bed and, and uh, I think he was overseas and there was a chair in his room and, and the chair moved. Some unseen force came in there and lifted up the chair. And the chair went to the other side of the room. And you know, most Christians, they just get scared to death. They'd go check into another room. But not a man or a woman who knows their authority. Not you, right? Not me. Because we know by no means shall anything hurt us. So you know what Dr. Summerall said? He said, put it back. Put it back. That chair went right back where it was. I want to talk to you all today about putting it back. Putting it back. And taking it back. Everything that the devil's stolen from you, it's time to take it back. It's time for him to put it back. It's time for your life to be restored sevenfold. You know, the Bible says if you find out a thief, who the thief is, we know who the thief is. We know the devil's a thief. That he cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. He walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But you know what? He may not devour you. He may not devour us. We found him out and he's got to put it back. If a thief be found out or if a thief thief be caught, we're catching him. He has to restore sevenfold. 
And there's a, and the, first, the rest of that scripture says he'll have to sell everything in his house to pay you back if he has to. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Everyone say, put it back. Now, the word restore means to, to, to reinstate to its original condition, to be better than before. Hallelujah. To renew, to revive, to reinvigorate, to rebuild. That's what restoration will do in your life. And my Father, your Father, your Lord is a restorer. Not only will He restore your life, but He will restore the streets in the Bay Area. He, we are the repairers of the breach and He will restore paths for people to walk in right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. The devil thinks he has this area. He's in for a big shock. We're taking it back. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, take it back. Jesus is our restorer. I'm telling you, He is so awesome. He's so good. If you've gotten away from Him, if you've lost your joy, He'll restore to you the joy of your salvation. He'll do it. Somebody says, yeah, but I've fallen, I've messed up, and oh man, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Well, the Bible says that restoration in the house of the Lord is available to those who have fallen. He can restore your joy through His power and through His presence. And I believe that a house like this, a church like this, ought to be known as a house of restoration. Where people can come in broken and leave whole. Where minds that are racked with fear and anxiety can come into a place like this and be restored. Because I hear the Lord saying, I am your shepherd and I restore your soul. That's what Psalms 23 says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes you and me to walk in green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. He restores my soul. When your soul is tempted to be full of fear and to be full of anxiety, when you're tempted to give up, when fear knocks upon the city of your soul, don't forget, dear friend, That you serve a master. You serve a Lord that restores your soul. He's watching over your soul. He will bring His peace into your mind, into your will, and into your emotional area. He'll saturate you with the peace that passes all understanding. He's the restorer of your soul. 1970s, my mind was broken. My mind was just about gone. But oh, the word of the Lord is perfect. And it converts the soul. It can change a person's mindset from a worldly mindset, from a lust-filled mindset to the mind of Christ. He'll restore your soul. He can bring balance back into your brain. He can take a person that has been imbalanced in their mind and in their soul. Listen, He's the bishop of your soul. He's watching over your soul. And He brings restoration. And He brings peace. Man, this world doesn't have any peace. He said, the peace that I give unto you doesn't come in a bottle. doesn't come in a 
television show. It doesn't come on Hollywood. The peace that I give unto you, it's way out beyond anything this old world has to offer. He says, it's my peace. He says, I'm the prince of peace. And what is in him is in us when we get born again and we feast on manna from heaven. His peace transcends our understanding. And he can bring a sense of peace and security in unstable and in insecure times. Can he not? Peace. Everyone say peace. But you've got you've to talk to your mind. And you've got to talk to your soul. When the devil comes and robs you of peace, you tell him, I bind you up, devil. You, know, you put that back. I receive the peace of God. Turn over to John 14, 1 in the Amplified Version, if you would. Can anyone in the house say, restore? restore. Can you say it a few more times? A couple more times. Restore. Yeah. Restoration. Putting it back into its former condition, only not just what it was, but better than before. I can testify to you. I'm sharper. I'm quicker. I'm brighter than I've ever been. Because of Him. Notice this. This is, your, this is your authority. This is your prerogative. This is your decision regularly on a daily basis. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't allow yourself to be distressed to the point of agitation. You know what happens when you get distressed and ticked off? You get mad at everybody. Everything looks lousy. Everything looks bad. What do you want? No, that's not the way to live. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be distressed or agitated. He says, if you believe in and inherit to and trust in and rely on God, believe in and inherit to trust in and rely on me. Amen. Cooperate with him. Let him bring peace into your soul. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I am sure of one thing. The word of God contains within it the power to restore your soul. The word of God contains within it the power to keep you filled with peace. So let's not reach for other things. I don't, as good as our marriage is, and we've been married 36 years, I don't get my peace from Brenda. Amen. Brenda doesn't get her peace from me. Amen. We get our peace from the Prince of Peace. Amen. Turn over to Jeremiah 30, verse 17. Everyone say, restore. restore. Oh, Jesus is doing it right now. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In Jeremiah 30, the 17th verse, notice this verse of Scripture. He said, for I will. You know, when God says I will, He means it. He will. I will. What will you do, God? I will restore. I'll restore health unto you. And I will heal you 
of every wound. Listen, not only God, not only will God heal your body, but He will remove the wounds that the sickness and disease brought into your life. Oh, thank God. That means He can take the scarring right out of your liver. He can take anything and everything right out of your life. I'll restore. I'll make your health better than before. I'll restore health unto you. And I will heal you. That word heal there carries with the thought of spring up. I will quicken. In other words, I will do it if you'll believe me. I will do it if you'll trust me. My hand will be revealed to those who believe the report of the Lord. My quickening power is here today if you'll simply believe. You know, thank God for trusting God and standing on God's word and standing on God's word and rejoicing between the amen and the here it is. But I'm believing for some immediate things to happen. How about you? Some suddenly, some immediates. The Bible says immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. We need to start expecting the immediates through the authority of the believer immediately. So God says, I will restore health unto you. And I will heal you. I will do it quickly. And I will heal you of your wounds. Now the context of this, he's, he's writing about Israel. The nation is in disarray. They've been beat up. They've been beat down. They've been wounded. They're living in and walking in defeat due to their own wrongdoing. But God said, I will take you from a place of defeat to a place of victory. I will take you from a place of sickness to a place of health. I will take you from a place of poverty to a place of abundance. In other words, when God puts it back and you take it back, there's immediate healing from every, any trace of defeat in your life. You are not the defeated, my brothers and sisters. You are the winners. And all the devil's trying to do is to rob you of your victory. But we have authority. And we will not let him. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 30. How many of you remember a guy by the name of David? I mean, David was a powerful man of God. But David wasn't a perfect man. David failed. David missed it. But one thing that God called David is he said, David is a man after my own heart. And the reason why he called David a man after his own heart is he didn't sit around and bemoan and sit around and and be sad beyond the point where it was time to get up and get on with his life. He failed. He missed it. But he said, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I believe God's going to restore several people's joy today. The joy of your deliverance. David had a pure heart before God. David was a praiser. He was a worshiper of God. And the context of 1 Samuel chapter 30 is David and his men were out and they were trying to help the Philistines. The Philistines didn't even want them. So they went back to their hometown by the name of Ziklag. And Ziklag, by the way, means a city overwhelmed with grief. It's not a good place to live. And they were on a three-day journey. So how many of you have ever driven across country in two, three days or four days? At the end of that journey, you were ready to get to the house, weren't you? 
you're ready to get some refreshment. Well, David and his men were out there, and their city had been uh, invaded, verse 2. And the Bible says that they were tired, and, and uh, these people that came in, the Amalekites came in, they took the women, they took everything that was there, both small and large. They killed no one, but they carried all of them away, and they went on their way. Look at verse 3. So David and his men came to the town, and behold, it was burned, and their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. Verse 4. And David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. Now listen, until they had no more power to weep. Has anybody ever been there? Have you ever wept so much and been so grieved and so distressed that you didn't have any more power to weep? Well, that is the condition that they were in in this situation. Verse 5. And David's two wives were taken captives. And under the new covenant, you can only have one and I only want one. Because one is mucho, mucho more than enough. Verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him. They weren't trying to get him high. They were going to kill him. Hello? Because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But here's what David did. And I want to talk to you all about this this morning. David didn't go in a cave and pull the blankets over his head. David realized he was distressed. David realized that he needed strength. So what did David do? David did what we need to do. We need to encourage ourselves. Encourage yourself. Now, I can't say because I wasn't there, but I can just about imagine that David encouraged himself three ways. And you can do the same thing in your life. I believe that the number one thing that David encouraged himself in was in the love of God. I believe he looked back and seen everything that God had done for him and that the hand of the Lord was upon him for good. And he says, God, you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. You're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I believe that David, instead of staying down, he went to the rock that was higher than him. Don't you know there's a place of refuge? The rock, his name is Jesus. So he reminded himself of God's love for him. And secondly, I can about imagine that he reminded himself of the call of God on his life. You see, when life gets tough, the enemy wants to diminish what God has put in you. And that's why we need to remind ourselves that we are anointed. That we are complete in Him. That God does have a plan for our lives. And His plan will be perfected because He perfects that which concerns you and me. Say with me, He's perfecting everything that concerns my life. And so what David did is what we must do. He didn't let a setback cause him to sit back. He stood up and stirred up and he prepared for a glorious restoration comeback. He prepared for what Satan had stolen to be put back. And so remind yourself of the promises of God.
Remind yourself that you are anointed. That you are His workmanship. And thirdly, I'm sure David looked back and thought about all the past things God did for him. All the past deliverances. Listen, friend, you've come too far and God's brought you too far for you to quit now. Yeah, but I haven't accomplished everything God's called me to do. Good news, it ain't over yet. I said it ain't over yet. You've got some time and you've got some space to make those adjustments. In fact, it is true that we serve a God that has delivered us. And yet, He still does deliver us presently. And He will deliver us. That's found in 2 Corinthians 1.10. Our God delivers. Past, present, and future. Oh, I can look back at the faithfulness of God. You can look back how good God has been to you. Didn't have any food in your cupboard, but someone knocked on the door and brought you a bill of groceries. Didn't have enough money to pay your car bill. But God showed up in the 11th hour and saw to it that your every need was met. I can look back at the faithfulness of God. How that He took my young son out of a spirit of depression and put the spirit of joy upon him and placed him into the ministry. Woo! Glory to God! Shalabaka! Hallelujah! Look what the Lord has done for you. He brought you out of alcoholism. He got you a job. And you know what? He's not done with you yet. And so rehearse the past victories. But then keep your eyes focused upon the Lord. Because He's got some good things in store for you. So David, the Bible says, he encouraged himself in the Lord. Now notice with me in the next verse. This is very important to see. In verse 7, And David said to Abathar, the priest, Amalek's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. That was the way in the old covenant that they would hear from God using the Urim and the Theorem. And I don't have enough time to talk about the Urim and the Theorem, but it was a principle that they used so that they could hear from God. We don't use the Urim and the Theorem. We are born again, filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit. But my point is this, in verse 8, it says... And David inquired at the Lord. Now, inquiring of the Lord is simply saying, David prayed to the Lord. Now, I think it's beautiful that David didn't seek direction while he was distressed and while he was discouraged. He first took care of the fog that was over his soul by encouraging himself in the Lord. So he moved the fog out. And once the fog was gone... He could receive clarity of direction from the Spirit of the Lord. How many have ever had a procedure at a hospital? They will tell you, don't make any major decisions for at least 48 hours. We have adopted that principle in our life. When discouragement is trying to toy with us, when there's fog in our lives and there doesn't seem to be clarity, Brenda and I never make a big decision. But we take time to wait on the Lord and rise up and use our authority and the fog is gone. Amen. So David waited and he inquired at the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? In other words, shall I go after them? 
He says, shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them. And without fail, you shall recover all. Next verse. And so David went, he and 600 men that were with him, and they came to the brook of Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. And we see here that they ran into an Egyptian. We don't need to take time to look at that. But this Egyptian was part of that camp and part of that army that attacked the city of Ziklag. And he said, please don't kill me. Swear by your God, if I show you where the Amalekites are camping... I ask you to spare my life. And so this young Egyptian pointed out exactly where the Amalekites were. And David had a word from God. And the word from God was, pursue. (coughs) How many of you know you got to have a word from God? And then he had the promise. He said, you will recover everything because you're going to overtake them by the power of God. Of my presence. Now let's pick this up. In 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I want us to look. And we're going to skip a few verses. And I want you to look at verse 16. There's a truth here. There's a revelation in here. Are you ready to do some rejoicing? Notice this in verse 16. And when he had brought him down, this Egyptian man, behold, they were spread abroad upon the whole earth, upon all the earth, (coughs) eating and drinking and dancing. So we could say that the enemy was doing some rejoicing. They're eating, they were drinking, and they're rejoicing. Well, what were they eating? What difference does it make? (laughs) What were they drinking? What difference does it make? They were having a party. Just like in the regions of the damned, when Satan thought they had crucified and buried him for good, you know there was some rejoicing going on down there. But all of a sudden, the party stopped. Because early Sunday morning, just like Jesus said, the Father lifted him and raised him up from the dead. The music stopped. The drinking stopped. The dancing stopped. And now they had a mucho problema on their hands. The devil's a defeated foe. And he's not that sharp. Don't you think for one moment that he is? The Bible says, had they known that Jesus Christ would be raised from the dead, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. You'd think he would have learned his lesson. But you see, you become a target and you become an object of attack because in fact he hates you because you are in Christ and you represent Jesus. So what he's going to do, he's going to come to rob you, to steal from you, to take you out. And even at the hint of victory on his part, he'll start dancing. (coughs) He'll start rejoicing. 
he'll start singing. Now I want you to turn over to Micah chapter 7, verse 8. Micah chapter 7, verse 8. Everyone say, restore. Restore. Restoration. Restoration. Here's what our attitude should be. And we need to get a little bit sassy about this. Oh, yeah? How dare you rejoice against me, oh, my enemy? Because when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord's going to be a light unto me. Our attitude as authorized ones by the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus, our attitude should be this. When I do arise, I'm coming after you. And I'm going to bust your head. And I'm going to take back what you stole from me. But not only am I going to get back what you stole, I'm going to get more besides. If a thief be found, he's got to restore. When I fall, I shall arise. I'm not staying down. I might be knocked down, but I'm never knocked out. Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead raised you from the dead. So, watch out, devil. I'm coming after you. You come against me one way, but by God's grace, you're going to have to flee before me seven ways. And now notice verse 17 of 1 Samuel 30. Hallelujah. And David... Smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. Man, that's a big, big defeat. And there escaped not a man save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered, notice, all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives, verse 19. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons or daughters, neither spoil, nor anything that had had been taken from them, David recovered all of it. Recovered it all. If you've lost a home during the financial crash, I believe you're going to be able to recover all. I believe that God can restore to you double and make your life twice as good. As it ever was before. I want you to look at verse 20 in the Amplified Version. This is powerful. The Bible says, David captured all the flocks and herds which the enemy had. And the people drove those animals before him and said, This is David's spoil. Spoil is extra. Spoil is more than, more than enough. He got the exceeding, abundant back above all they could ask or think. And I sense the Spirit of the Lord saying this to us today. Instead of your shame, I'm going to replace it with a twofold recompense. I am going to restore with a double blessing in your life. He stole your joy. I prophesied double joy in your life. He 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 stole your finances. I prophesied double financial blessing in your life. In the name 
of Jesus. And here is the lesson that we learn from David. Is David just didn't sit around and cry and weep. David just didn't say, oh yeah, go ahead and stone me. David did what we do. We get over into the presence of God. How many of you know that there's answers in his presence? And then what David did and what we must do, he got firm in his heart, the plan of action. He heard from heaven. How many of you need to hear from heaven? He heard pursue and go and do. I believe this today, that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We are not normal. We are not casual Christians in this church. We are not filled with a mediocre spirit. But I believe that this church is a church that's tenacious. And that rises up with their authority and takes back what Satan has stolen from them. He said, pursue and go and overtake. And there will be a recovery in your life. And once I recover those things in your life, it is now time for you to share the spoil. To share the spoil. See, when they got back, they had all this spoil. They were loaded down with all this goodness. And the people that went out and fought with David said, we're not going to give it to these guys who stayed back here. And David said, you better believe we're going to give it to them because they stayed by the stuff. And they get an equal reward. Listen, what God has done for you should be shared. It should be testified. And it should be transferred to people around you. You can just rise up and you can just tell everybody just how good God is. Listen, there's people here this morning that God wants to restore to you the joy of your salvation. Your fellowship has been broken, but God wants to restore that fellowship today. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you're not born again. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is there's been a leakage of joy from your life and God wants to bring you back. God wants to restore you. And then there's others here today that health-wise, there's, there's just been a, a lack of strength, a lack of vim and vigor in your physical body. God says, I'm going to restore health unto you. And I'm going to do some immediates this morning. And I'm going to take you out of that place of defeat. And I'm going to bring you right back into the land of victory. Isn't that awesome? And then there's others. Things have been stolen you. Things have been ripped off from you. You know, David wasn't perfect. David experienced some of the things that he experienced by direct attack of the enemy. But also the door was open. There's others of you that God wants to restore and bring back to your life some good things and double even more. But he's saying to you, it's time for you to close the doors. Hallelujah. So this morning, I believe what the Spirit of the Lord would want us to do. It's only 1219, by the way. We've left room for the Holy Spirit to continue to move. Say it with me. Move, Holy Spirit. 
Come, Holy Spirit. Move in our midst in a mighty way. Declare this in the name of Jesus. We bind up every principality. We bind up any demonic power. We take our dominion over any ruler of darkness of this age. And in the name of Jesus, take your hands off our soul. Take your hands off our bodies. Take your hands off our stuff. In Jesus' name, we put a stop on you. And we release the goodness of God and the power of God to be made manifest right now in my mind, in my body, in my finances, in my home. And Lord God, we cry out for restoration. We cry out for revival. We cry out for glory. We cry out for presence in the Bay Area. Restore, oh God. Paths to walk in. Streets to dwell in. May there be a saturation of your power and your presence in this area. We declare the people in this area will see God. See how good He is. And they'll call upon the name of the Lord. And they shall be saved. Oh, thank you, Father, for it. Glory to God. Go ahead and pray with me. You can all stand up right now. Let's just pray for a few moments this morning. I don't believe the Holy Spirit is done with this service. We just want to spend a little time praying right now. Just, just let this word marinate in you a little bit. Hallelujah. We're taking some things back. We're taking some things back. Hallelujah. We have the mind of Christ. Oh, Just start praising him right now. Glory, 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 glory. Glory to God. Ha, yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. The scripture says that fear has torment. And a tormenting spirit is a spirit that's sent to to just, I don't even know how to say it, but just harass you. We're going to put a stop on that. And it's not just three or four people, it's several of you. I want you to come to the front right now. Just come on right now to the front. We're going to, I believe we're just going to exercise our dominion over that. First and foremost, just make your way to the front. Hallelujah. Make your way down to the front. Let's say this. Restore. Better than before. Restore. 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 Thank you, Lord.